0: All right, Faith Promise, who's fired up to be in the house of God? Man, let's don't ever forget what a privilege it is that we're back together after last year. Don't forget how good it was to be back and just take it for granted. Michelle and I love you guys. We're thrilled that you're here. Welcome to all of our campuses Whether you are live on one of our campuses, whether you're online or watching this message or listening to it later, we're super stoked that you're with us. And this weekend we are doing, you'll see a few things different at some of our campuses. We have elevated our ability to broadcast live from Pellissippi to everywhere. So our our production teams work for a year. So we'll be able to stream anytime to all of our campuses live to Bristol this weekend greater opportunities. We are one house with a lot of rooms, one church with a lot of locations and we're like Walmart, baby. We are taking over. Come on somebody. So welcome to all of our Tennessee locations and those of you that are watching a little around the world, we're super stoked to have you fired up about this month, which is a series we've entitled Lamplighters. And, and really, when you think about what we've endured over the last 12 months, the pandemic, the shutdowns, the isolation, the separation, and all that went on, can I tell you the enemy did everything he could do to destroy, steal, and kill the people of God and the church of God. Once again, the devil failed because Faith Promise is back with a vengeance for the kingdom of God. We've got the momentum. Jesus said, "I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it," and we are doing it. If you're just back with us, welcome. If you hadn't got back yet, can't wait to see you guys uh, this year. If you're new this year, we have a theme every year. It's finding favor this year out of Psalms 90, verse 17: May the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Just yes, confirm the work of our hands. We believe the Bible is clear in its teaching from Genesis through Revelation. God's favor is a force that is at work. In the good times, the bad times, the sad times, and the glad times, God's favor is at work. We need to see it and drink deeply from the fountain of favor. Now, again, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Last year, I was so blown away that our greatest giving year ever was 2020. In the year of the pandemic, when we didn't meet for months, you guys were financially, man, kept giving. Way to go. Give yourself a hand. All of our campuses, way to go, guys. Incredible. Our kingdom builders, that is our highest level. People to give over 10% is building because we're generous. We put God first. This last year, more people in groups than any year before, even when we had to do groups with Zoom, Again, if you're not in a group, we grow together. It's a value around here. We want to help you. Let me remind you of one last thing. If you were with us last month, I did a series called Atomic Life. It was about habits. And the last message, the Spirit led me to something that I didn't realize the transformative power. When I created that habit review, I'd never done it, had never heard it, just thought, hey, we ought to review our habits. And the more, and so I preached it, and then I began on Monday reviewing. God is already transforming me, already showing me, hey, I want you to get rid of this habit. I want you to add that. God's a work on me. I believe He wants to work on y'all. Amen. So come on, give Him praise as we tell them of Him. So here's a question Who are you bringing for Easter? Well, I have some. We'll have services all you know Thursday, some campuses Friday, some campuses Saturday, most campuses all campuses Sunday. Who are you bringing? I believe that we'll be back over ten thousand for the first time since we got back together in June. Anybody believe we'll have ten thousand on Easter? Come on! All in favor say aye. aye. All right. Now inviting is the easy part. That's easy. We can invite people. Easter's a great time. But let's get a little more heavy this weekend as we think about being lamplighters. Let's talk about being burdened. Are you burdened for people that are far from God? See, because lamplighters are people that are burdened. Well, how would I know if I was burdened? Because you're gonna be praying for people that are far from God, you're gonna be talking to people that are far from God, you're gonna be sharing your faith, gonna be inviting people, it's gonna be something you're gonna feel in your gut. Now, would you agree with me that the world seems to be getting darker? And Jesus said it was gonna be that way. He said in the end times, there'll be wars and rumors of war plagues and earthquakes in various places. And he began to give us the signs of the end times. And he, he, he said this, the love of many will grow cold. Are, are y'all noticing that we're living in a loveless society? the hatred for each other. The, the, the news and the politics divide us on race, they divide us economically, they divide us geographically, they divide us in so many ways so, because a house divided can't stand. Does this make sense? And so in the middle of darkness and it getting darker, one light shines bright. So in a loveless world, when you're loving, in a dark world, when you're a lamplighter, you stand out. Now, we know Satan has tried to put the lights out, but he, but he is not going to win. Our theme verse for this series is out of Matthew's Gospel, the fifth chapter, the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Not you might be, not you should be, not you could be, not I wish you would. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and he gives light to all in the house. Who's in your house God wants you to give light to? You got a spouse that's lost? You got kids that are lost? Who, who does God want you to shine light? Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And he seals the deal With his last command, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go therefore unto all the world, or as you are going, where you live, work, study, shop, and play, as you're going, make disciples. As you live, make disciples. On the golf course, at work, as you're going, make disciples of all the ethnos. In the Greek, we get our word ethnicities. We translate that all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all I've commanded you in the law, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe Jesus meant it when he said it? Do you believe he meant it for you? Well, that was pretty weak. See, we're afraid to lean into this. Can I, can, can I just explain to you, it's the enemy that wants you to lean away from this, not into it. So as we think about burdens, there are a lot of of different types of burdens. I'm burdened for my kids. I'm burdened for the country. I'm burdened for this. I'm burdened for that. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the burden that we should feel for people far from God is one that's down in our guts. Paul said he was so burdened. He said, I would be accursed, anathema." separated from God, if my kinsmen, according to the flesh, the children of Israel would turn to Jesus. So even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles, he was burdened about his people, the Jews. Let me ask you, who are your people that you're burdened about? Who are your people that, like Paul, you are so burdened for them? See, like favor, a burden should be it should be standard procedure for people that are hurting, marginalized, for people far from God. It should be standard equipment. Would y'all agree with that? Yep. Remember years ago, Drew Wells on our staff grew up here. Mom and dad were founders. And and his his new father-in-law, he just married Sandy, gave Sandy a new car for, for college graduation. Got married, he said, Hey man, take me to the dealership. I'm gonna go get the car. So he goes and And he said, wait, just make sure it says, okay, don't leave. So I got out, walked out with him, and he went, beautiful, Maximus, so nice. I'm not going to tell you the dealer, but he opened the door, and he looked at the salesman and said, dude, where are the floor mats? He said, that's extra. He said, do I have to pay for reverse extra, too? Floor mats ought to be, this ought to be standard equipment. They finally gave you the floor mats and said, Sir, next time you're looking for a car, go somewhere else. And so, but he got got the floor mats. It should be standard. A burden ought to be standard in a transformed heart. Would y'all agree with that? It's like, it's, you know, before you're saved, you're about yourself. We live in a selfie generation, but we've always been selfies. And so if you've ever held your phone out to take a selfie, once you're saved, there's a reverse button you can hit and the camera automatically goes. See, when you're saved, the camera goes. Now you're in, who's not? It just spins. See, you have a burden which increases your zeal, which increases your passion, which enlarges your heart, which advances the kingdom of God. Does this make sense? Now, I'm going to tell you, decades ago, when this church was blowing up, man, when early on, we were just exploding in growth. We realized that we could program for Christians and really focus on Christians, and we could be running twenty or 30,000 now, but we said we'd rather be smaller and win lost people than sit around and pat saints on the head all the time. Are y'all with me? Come on. So, see, the burden keeps us going. The burden keeps us going when you want to quit. The burden keeps you going when you're uncomfortable. 38 years of ministry, can you imagine all the crap I put up with from people? Can you imagine? Do you know how many people who left faith promise wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire? Hate my guts, just hate me. I, just, I see them, just live long and prosper. I love you, you don't have to love me. But see, it's a burden that keeps going. A burden won't let you quit. Because Jesus said, lost people matter more. Leave the 99 that are in and go after the one that's not in. In Luke 15, Jesus paints four pictures, four, three pictures, three parables, a lost sheep, a lost silver coin, and a lost son. Two things that these all three stories have in common that he wants us to get. Number one, the people were burdened about that which was lost. Leave the, leave the 99, go find the one sheet. The lady with the lost silver coin sweeps and cleans her whole house until she finds the coin. The prodigal son's father longs every day for his son to return. See, those people were burdened. They never quit looking. They never quit longing. And the second thing, when that was lost, was found, it was party. The Bible says when one person repents, the angels in heaven have a party. And so, man, it is. It's a party. And that's how, that's our heart, our burden. See, do you, do you remember when you were first saved? Anybody remember what it was like when you first got saved? I don't know about you, but I wanted to tell everybody. My sin and shame was gone. I had a thousand pound load off me and I had a hole the size of a Mack truck that was filled with the love of God. I wanted to tell everybody. Everybody I knew when I got saved was going to hell. I didn't know one person wasn't in heaven but me. And I wanted to tell everybody. I went to visitation every week. I learned to share my faith. I like a reformed smoker. You ever know somebody gives up smoking and they think everybody else ought to too? Just obnoxious about it. Man, I just wanted to tell everybody, for the first two years after I was saved, I cried myself to sleep every night burdened about the people I loved that were going to hell. Burdened for my family. My aunt called me the evangelist of our family. And today, most of them are going to heaven. Right, Amen. Incredible. But something demonic happened to me. Maybe it was demonic. Maybe it was a natural process. Maybe it was a part of both. But hell loved it, whichever it was. So I got saved. So fired up about it. Are you with me? Want to tell everybody. But then the, the more that I was around people at church, I realized they weren't telling anybody. And they weren't burdened about anybody. Remember, the number one leadership lesson of all time is this people do what people see. And so every believer around me, everybody knew more Bible than I knew. And so you're a kid, you're you're young in the faith. What happened is I walked into church with the focus outward, but the church didn't want the focus outward. The church wanted the focus inward. See, an outward focus is supernatural. An inward focus is natural. Does that make sense? When Michelle and I planted a church or took a church plant in Louisiana, Across the back of the platform, I had a huge banner made that said, We exist for people that are not yet here. Our parking lot, our pews, our programming is all for people that are not yet here. But something slowly happened to me, subliminal, because you become who you hang out with. Slowly, my burden began to diminish. Does that make sense? See, being burdened isn't comfortable, it's heavy. And we want it light, we don't want it heavy. So what happens that we just slowly lose that burden? A burden is this, it's feeling a weight for people that are far from God and carrying them to Jesus. It's a gut punch. See, the the Hebrews believed that the seat of your emotions were right here because it's the second largest bundle of nerves right here. That's why you feel stuff right here. And man, I just felt it. See, are, are we disciples of Jesus? Yeah. Five, five of us, are we disciples of Jesus? Yeah. Is he the Lord, the master, and the model? His burden took him out of the throne room of heaven to a manger in a barn, from a barn to a cross, from the cross to a grave, and three days later, out of the grave. That's where his burden carried him and his burden never drained. My question is this, where's our burden carrying us? And who were we carrying to Jesus? Again, to, to remain outwardly focused is supernatural. To be inward is natural. That's why you'll see churches rise up. They'll explode and grow like we have. And then next generation, next generation will rise up they don't have that burden. And as soon as you lose the burden, you begin to die. You just don't know it yet. Denominations, churches, ministries, they all do it. It's an imperative if you're a Christ follower, that you're a lamplighter, that you maintain your burden. Because when your burden changes how you live, how you walk, how you talk, how you focus, what you see, instead of judging someone for how they dress or what they look like or how they parent, or how they talk, you are concerned about their spiritual condition. Man, let me ask you a question. The last time you saw a beautiful woman walk by you and you were checking her out, you ever thought about was she saved or not? Or was it just lost? See, we have gotta be driven by a burden It affects everything. It affects everything. Acts 1-8, and you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on upon you and then you're gonna be my witnesses. See, can I tell you, power brings a burden and when there's no burden, there's no power. Because a burden moves you. You're gonna be a bold witness and the place where they see seated was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. If you're a Christ follower, you're a lamplighter and you've gotta maintain a burden. Does this make sense? So I've really, really, man, we've really tried this year to download every week in practical steps. Not just, not just Bible doctrine or theology or a great little sermonette for preacher, you know, for Christianettes. We, what we really wanna do is download practical steps that you're actually gonna do. I know most people go to church and don't do anything. We're gonna give you something every week, amen? Because we believe God wants to transform you. So first, the first thing is this. This is what being burdened looks like. Lamplighters who are burdened pray for people that are lost. Have you got a list in your Bible or in your journal? Where you live, your family, your neighbors, where you work, coworkers or clients, where you study, classmates, teachers, administrators, where you shop, service, servers, cashiers, where you play teammates and coaches. Have it really, if we need a, a top 10 most wanted list like the FBI. As you've got a top 10 most wanted list, you know what's gonna happen? And you're gonna be looking for opportunities. Which brings to the second thing. We need to do lamplighters who are burdened share their faith with people far from God. Can you, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Woo! All right, 12 of you. We ought to have a great harvest this weekend after the service. <laughs> Come on, Anderson. I know somebody over there. Come on, North. So here's the deal. Can you tell your story in a minute? Can you tell God's story in a minute? If you can't go back and watch last week's message near the end, where we talk about the Roman road, and then ask people, "Hey, you got a you got a minute? For, let me tell you a quick story." Well, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear a story. You just tell people how they met, how you met Jesus. You can do it in 60 seconds. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what God told me, and then you tell him God's story. And I'm just like catching fish. Nobody leaves. All the fish are biting. You keep doing it. Lamp are lamp who are burdened. They seek revelation for others. When I first got saved and all my family was lost, every time Michelle and I went to Memphis and I went to seminary, every time that I would come back, I would ask for a word for my family. So I got a word. I was back at my mother's house. My two brothers were there. I walked outside. I said, hey, let me ask you a question. If I was kidnapped, And you knew where I was. Would you guys come rescue me? Oh, yeah, Chris, man, come on. We'd be there. I said, well, you've been kidnapped by the devil and I'm here to rescue you. Oh, man, come on. (laughs) No, really. The scripture said your your eyes have been blinded by the devil so that you won't see the gospel. See, when, when we have a burden, we ask for revelation and God will, through his word, give us revelation about other people. Not only about yourself, but He'll give it about you. You say, Pastor, I can't do this. Are you, the, are you in the Word of God? You have a plan to get in the Word of God? If you don't, join Bob plan with me. But I'm telling you, as you get in the Word, God will give you revelation. God's Word is powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And when you give revelation, when you give people a word, Then that word is like a seed that drops. If it abides by itself alone, it dies. But if it's planted, it brings forth a harvest. Paul said, I plant, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. And so I call it power evangelism. You're just getting a word for people that are around you. And let me, as I think we knew that as we put this series in, we always do a series like this leading up to Easter. And every, in my, in my man came home, I would pop, pull my iPad out. And I would start to work on these verses and passages. Can I tell you what bothered me most? What bothered me more than anything else about doing this series? Is that I did have a fresh story of somebody I've won recently outside of Faith Promise. People, I, I didn't have, I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I work, most of the staff are saved. We're worried about Josh Whitehead, but most, <clears throat> most of the staff are, are born again, and my family are, are saved, and, and and man, I just said, God, you've got to put me around some people, because see, lamplighters who are burdened ask God to increase their burden, and, and every day I pray a burden on you, every day. God, wherever they're at, work, travel, school, would you touch them? Would you feel them? Would you whisper in their ear? Would you remind them? Would you increase their burden? Give them, Bob, a burden and opportunity and boldness. Come on, because see, boldness and burden leaks. And we've gotta be refilled if we're gonna maintain that burden. Who are you around? Who are you hanging out with that's got a burden? Because see, a burden will increase your compassion for people. And listen, doesn't America need some compassion? And if you live like this, you're going to be a lamplighter that's going to stand out. And so <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew chapter nine, or was said of him in Matthew nine, verse 35, Jesus is going through all the cities and the villages, teaching the synagogues and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and seeing the people. See, proximity to people brings a burden. Seeing the people. He looked at them and what did he see? He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he looked at the disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful. People everywhere need me. But the workers, they're few because so few really have a burden. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to thrust laborers into the field, a burden. Moves you out of your lazy boy, out of your comfort zone, and into the harvest field. This is the will of God for you, period. You can like it, you can lump it, you can leave it, but this is the will of God for you. See, a burden moves you into action. Nehemiah is is in the last 12 books, the minor prophets in the Old Testament. No, no, it's before that. I, I lied, it's before that. Nehemiah is, has been taken captive. He is now elevated to counselor to King Artaxerxes. and a couple of dudes stop by from that have left Jerusalem and they've come and they connect with their old buddy Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, "Hey, how's it going back in the homeland? How's it going?" They said, "It sucks. The gates are all burned with fire. The walls have been torn down. The people are discouraged and depressed. It's horrible. And that got in deep inside Nehemiah's gut and he couldn't get past it. See, I couldn't get past my family was going to hell. I couldn't get beyond that. And Nehemiah begins to be deeply burdened. So he's at work one day, he's in the throne room, he's the cupbearer, the counselor to the king and the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? You're sad even though this is not a sickness. Now, by the way, being sad in the king's presence, presence was punishable by having your head cut off. And he said, why should I not be sad, O king, when the city of my father's lies desolate, the gates are burning with fire, and the walls have been torn down. And, and the king says, well, what do, you, what do you think you ought to do about it? Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, I'm so glad you asked. I've got a list. I need you to give me this, 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 this. And the king said, you got it. Go. When are you coming back? It's gonna take, it's, I'll be back. And Nehemiah goes and rebuilds the wall and rehangs all the gates. It's an incredible. He's not a contractor. He's not the son of a contractor. He didn't know anything about building, but burden moved Nehemiah into action. See, we get so distracted by this world that we lose our burden. Politics. That's why I quit watching the news. Life has gotten better since I quit watching the news. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. You say, but, but you're, you're uninformed. I read the Word of God every day. Man, you want to read the newspaper before it's printed, read the book of Revelation. Read what Jesus said is going to happen in the end times. With politics and COVID and hatred, all the stuff we got to do, the tasks we got to get done, the yard work It's spring, we got to mulch, kids are at practice, we got games, we got this, we got that, we got finals, we got this, we got this. We've got to keep making disciples the number one goal in our lives. As you are going, make disciples where well, you live, work, study, shop, and play. My question is this. Come on, if you're listening, say I, am. I am. Do you see soul winning as your call from God? Or you think it's just my call? Because I've led tens of thousands of people to Jesus in preaching but I'm a lamplighter as well. Are you with me? And that's why I'm burdened that I can't give you any fresh stories. I can tell you lots of stories of people I've won, but nothing lately. Are you disturbed about people that are going to hell? The man who founded the Salvation Army was William Booth. This is what William Booth said. Most Christians would like to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. I would like to send them to hell for five minutes that would do more to prepare them for compassionate ministry than anything else. Well, how do you know that? Because of the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man died and went to hell. Lazarus died and went to heaven and the rich man could see him. And he said, could you send Lazarus down and put his tip of his finger in water and touch the tip of my tongue? I'm in agony in these flames. He said, no, there's a gulf, can't happen. He said, then please, please send Lazarus back to my five brothers so they don't come to this place of torment. Listen to me, church. It's too late to have a burden after you're dead. You got to get it now. Got to ask God for it. See, so you talk about what you think about and you think about what you love. If you love Jesus, you're going to be thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, you're going to be talking about about it. When we're on fire for Jesus, nobody can shut us up. We're like reform smokers. So let me, let me wrap this up. Let me ask a couple questions. What's your spiritual temperature like today at all of our campuses? Red hot, ice cold, or somewhere in the middle, which Jesus called lukewarm? Not a great place to be. Have you ever been more on fire for God than you are right now? If the answer is yes, my question is what happened? We need God to catch us on fire. Because listen, nobody wants to go to a dead church, but you let God catch us on fire, they'll come from everywhere to watch us burn. We're lamp lighters, come on, come on. Father God, we ask you right now to light our fires. We ask you to ignite us, a bonfire the angels can see from heaven. Every campus, God, would you catch us on fire? Would you, God... Give us a burden deep within our souls that moves us out of fear, out of compassion, out of apathy into the harvest field, oh God. People that are not going to heaven that will be because of us. People lost are going to be found, blind are going to see, dead are going to be alive. God, you're going to use us to make a difference. Light us on fire is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, somebody give him a shout of praise.